Chapter 5 The First Night on the Island After they'd finished the eggs and the rice pudding and the brown bread and butter and the seed cake and the apples, the mate and the able seaman did some washing up. The spoons had to be cleaned and the frying pans scraped and the mugs and pudding basins swilled in the lake. The captain and the boy took the telescope and found a good place on the high ground above the camp at the northern end of the island, where they could lie in a hollow of the rocks and look out between tufts of heather without being seen by anyone. Close behind them was the tall pine tree that they'd seen when they looked at the island from the peak in Darien. Captain John lay on his back in the heather and looked up into the tree. Properly, he said, we ought to have a flagstaff on the top of it. What for? said Roger. So that we could hoist a flag there for a signal. Supposing Susan and Titty were here alone while you and I had gone fishing. We've forgotten our fishing rods, said Roger. We'll get them tomorrow, said John. But supposing we were away fishing. And the natives came back, the ones that made the fireplace. Then, if we saw the flag hoisted, we, could, we would know that something was the matter and come back to help. And it would make a fine lighthouse too. If any of us were sailing home after dark, whoever was left on the island could hoist the lantern and make the tree into a lighthouse so that we could find the island, however dark it was. But Susan, Titty and I could never try climb the tree. It's got no sticky-out branches. Like most pines, the tree was, bare of branches for the first fifteen or twenty feet of its height. If I can swarm up it as far as the bottom branch, I could hang a rope over it, so that both ends came to the ground. Then no one would have to climb it again. Anybody could tie the lantern to the rope and pull it up. One end would have to be tied to the ring at the top of the lantern and the other to the bottom so that we could pull it either up or down and keep it from swinging about. Have we got enough rope? said Roger. We haven't any small enough. The anchor rope is much too thick and the spare rope isn't long enough. I'll have to get some small rope tomorrow. It's a good thing I had a birthday just before we came here. We can get plenty of rope with five shillings. Just then, mate Susan and able seaman Titty joined them and threw themselves down on the heather. Everything's ready for the night, said Susan, except the beds. And we can't make them till the native brings the hay bags. Titty jumped up. This is about coming now, she said. Roger, you must be sleepy, or you'd have seen it. I'm not sleepy, said Roger. I wasn't looking. You could be wide awake and not see a thing when you aren't looking. Captain John sat up and put the telescope to his eye. It, it is the native, he said, and he's got mother with him. Do let me have the telescope, said Titty John gave it her, and she stared through it. Mother is a native, too, she said at last. 
Let me have it, said Rudder. He fixed the telescope to his eye and pointed it the right way. I can't see anything at all, he said. It's all black. You've got the cover over the eyepiece, said Titty, who knew all about telescopes. Twist it round and it'll come open again. Oh, I can see them now, said Roger. The native, who was Mr Jackson from the Hollyhow farm, was rowing the boat with long, steady strokes. It looked like a water spider, far away. But through the telescope it was easy to see that it was a boat, and to see the big lumps of the hay bags, and to see that Mother was sitting in the stern. Roger and Titty took uh, turns with the telescope as the boat came nearer. The captain and the mate went down to the camp to make sure everything was ready to show the visitors. The captain put his tin box, the big one, against the back of his tent in the middle. He took the little barometer out of it and hung it on the fastener in front of the box. There was nothing else in that tent, so it was very neat indeed. <clears throat> Titty and the mate had made their tent much more homelike. In the middle of it were the biscuit tins with the food in them. These tins made two seats. Then at each side of the tent, where their beds were going to be, they had spread out their blankets and folded in the tops of them. The cooking things were neatly arranged in one corner just inside the tent. Outside the tent, on the rope on which the tent was hung, two towels were drying. Captain John looked in and then went back to his own tent tent and spread his and Roger's blankets in the same way. They certainly made the tent look more as if it had been lived in, and, after all, it would be no bother to put the hay bags under them when they came. Made Susan put a few more sticks on the fire to make a cheerful blaze, and then they went back to the others. The natives will soon be here, said Tiddy. Shall we show them the harbour? No, said Captain John, you never know with natives, even friendly ones. We'll keep Swallow in. It isn't as if Mother were by herself. Besides, said Susan, they are bringing the hay bags and the landing place is close to the camp. It'll be much easier to carry them from there than through the thicket at the low end of the island. All the crew of the Swallow stood up and pointed to the east. Mother, the female native in the stern of the rowing boat, pointed between the island and the mainland on the eastern side to show that she knew what they meant. She said something to the native at the oars and he glanced over his shoulder and, pulling strongly with his left for a stroke or two, altered the course. They were passing the head of the island. Roger had already run to the landing place. The others of the Swallow were close behind him, and when the native ran his boat ashore, the whole ship's company were on the beach, ready to help him pull the boat up. "'But what have you done with your ship?' asked Mother. "'Where is the Swallow?' "'Alla walla kala kala kukalo kaku kakula,' said Titty. That means that we can't possibly tell you, because you're a native. A nice native, of course. 
Borrow, borrow, gee, boom, ding, said Mother. That means that I don't care where she is as long as she's all right. She is in a splendid place, said Captain John. Shall I interpret for you, said Titty gently. As a matter of fact, said Mother, the female native, I've picked up quite a lot of English, what with talking to you. But uh, I'll uh, walla colour walla instead, if you'd rather I did. If you know English, there's no need, said John. Gloop, said the female native. That means all right. Now, I hope you're going to let the natives see your camp so that we can uh, help you uh, carry up the hay bags. Mr Jackson, the farmer from Hollyhow, had taken all four hay bags out of the boat. He was a very powerful, strong native, and he picked up three of the hay bags together and hove them up onto his shoulder. John and Susan carried the fourth. Roger took the female native by the hand, and Titty showed the way to the tents. "'Well, you have got a lovely camp,' said the female native. "'Isn't it?' said Susan. "'Would you like to come inside this tent?' The female native stooped and went in. Mr Jackson dumped down his hay bags. Come on, Roger, said John. Let's get our tent all ready before she comes in. John took hold of one end of the hay bag. Roger helped, and between them they pulled the first one and then another hay bag into their tent. They put one each side of the tent, punching them and shaking them till they were fairly even and covered them with their folded blankets. Then they lay down each on his bed. Meanwhile, Susan and the female native were making up the beds in the other tent. Mr Jackson had gone back to his boat. Presently, the female native put her head into the captain's tent. You look comfortable enough in here, she said, but what are you going to do when it gets dark? We ought to have brought two lanterns, said John. I, I forgot about that. We've only got the big lantern for the whole camp. I've brought you two small candle lanterns, one for each tent, if you will promise to be careful with them and not set the tents or yourselves on fire. Where is the oil for the big lantern? Just outside the tent, said John. You ought to keep it in a safe place well away from the camp and from the fire. Just then that powerful native Mr Jackson came back with another load from the boat. Come along out, said the female native. I'm not going to stop here now because Mr Jackson must be getting back to his farm. But there are several things to be settled. First of all about the milk. There are no cows on your island so you will have to go to the mainland for milk. I've arranged with the farm over there, Dixon's farm, to let you have a quart of milk every morning. If you want more in the evening, Mrs Dixon will let you have it. But every morning you must row over there to bring your milk. You can see their landing place by the big oak tree. Thank you, Mr Jackson. The powerful native had put down a big basket that he had brought up from the boat. In it was a milk can and a lot of other things. And the female native began taking them out as if she were digging the presents out of a bran pie. 
Here's the milk can for you, she said. And mind you keep the milk as cool as you can during the day, keep it out of the sun, and do remember to wash the can very clean before you take it up to the farm for more. Then, for tomorrow, I brought you a meat pie that Mrs. Jackson cooked today. You'll soon get tired of living on corned beef. Pemmican, said Titty. Pemmican, said the female native. So if I were you, I would only open the pemmican tin when you haven't anything else that you can eat without cooking. By the way, Susan is the chief cook, isn't she? Yes, said Captain John. Then I'll give the stores over to her. There is the pie. Then I've brought a box of force for breakfast. Susan is going to have a busy time without having to cook porridge in the mornings. I like cooking, said mate Susan. If you want to, go on liking it, said the female native. Take my advice and make the others do the washing up. Mr. Jackson came up again from the boat carrying a big sack. Mrs. Jackson has been good enough to let you have your pillows here, said the female native. You can sleep without them, I know, but a pillow makes such a lot of difference that I'm sure Christopher Columbus himself always took his own pillow with him. The pillows were taken out, and two were taken into each tent. Did you see the pirate with the parrot? asked Titty when she came out after stowing her pillow. What pirate? asked the female native. The one on the houseboat. We saw him and his parrot. Mrs. Jackson laughed. Mr. Jackson laughed. So that's what you call him, he said. And I dare say you're right. I saw the houseboat, said the female native. It's Mr. Turner, said the powerful native. He usually lives on the houseboat in summertime. This year he won't let anyone go near him. Last year those Blackett girls, nieces of his from the other side of the lake, were always with him. Not this year, though. Keeps himself to himself this summer, does Mr. Turner. Nobody knows what he does there, but they do say he's got things on that houseboat worth a fortune. That's his treasure, said Titty. I knew he was a retired pirate. Of course he can't let anyone go near it. Vicky will be wanting me, said the female native, so I won't stay with you, and anyhow... You don't want too many natives around, I'm sure. It's beginning to get dark, and if I were you, I would be early to sleep, for the sun will wake you in the morning, even if the birds don't. Thank you ever so much for bringing the things, said Susan. Especially the lanterns, said Titty. Gloop, 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 said the female native, as she began to walk down to the landing place. No, I think I won't have any tea, thank you. You've had yours. And, day, and the day is nearly over. Oh, she added. There's one thing I had forgotten. She went for a moment into the captain's tent and came out again, smiling. Then, as she walked down to the boat, she said to John, I'm not going to keep on coming to bother you. You don't bother us, mother, said John. I'm not going to anyway. But I'm going to ask you 
to let me know every two or three days or oftener if you like that everything is all right. You'll be wanting provisions, you know, and we natives can always supply them. So you'll be calling now and then at Hollyhow, won't you? Uh, I'll come tomorrow if you like, said Job. Yes, I'd like to know how the first night went. What did you do in my tent just now, mother, said John. You'll see when you get back. The female natives stepped into the boat and went to the stern and sat down. Mr. Jackson, that strong native, pushed the big boat off, kneeling on the gunwale of her as she slid away. He had the oars out in a moment and pulled away into the evening. Goodbye, 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 mother, shouted the swallow's crew. Goodbye, Mr. Jackson. Good night to you, said Mr. Jackson. Drool, said the female native. That means good night and sleep well. Drool, drool, they shouted back. They ran to the head of the island, to the lookout place under the tall pine tree, and waved as the boat with its natives rowed away into the dusk. Long after they couldn't see the boat, they could see the white flashes as the oars lifted from the water. And long after they couldn't see them at all, they could hear the sound of rowing, growing fainter and fainter in the distance. We'd better be getting to sleep before it's quite dark, said mate Susan. Lights out in half an hour, said Captain John. But we haven't lit our lights yet, said Roger. No, but we're just going to, said Captain John, opening his lantern and striking a match. There was still some light outside, though not much under the trees, but in the tents it was quite dark. John lit his lantern and took it into his tent and put it on the tin box, which he moved to the middle so that there'd be no danger of setting fire to the tent walls. Then he remembered that the female native had done something in his tent just before she went away. He looked round to see what it was. Pinned to the tent wall near the head of his bed was a scrap of paper. On it was written, If not duffers won't drown. Danny knows we aren't duffers, said John to himself. Susan had put her lantern on one of the two biscuit tins. She and Titty were making their beds comfortable. The two tents looked like big paper lanterns glowing under the trees. Shadows moved about inside them. It always takes some time to get comfortable on a hay bag the first night. There were voices. Are you right, Titty? Aye, aye, sir. What about that boy? He's all right, Mr. Mate. Are you ready for lights out? Yes, lights out. The two lanterns were blown out, and the white tents were part of the darkness. There was no light now but the glow of the embers on the campfire. Good night, good night, good night. There was no noise now but the lapping of the lake on the rocks. In a few moments... The captain, the mate, the able seaman, and the boy were fast asleep. <laughs>